Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Put it this way, I did not slide off the road and die in Indiana. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I was looking for out of 89 bucks. <laughs> Pete Thamel. And then Brian Zubek was kind of just your, your your typical white Sequoia five man, you know, that we've seen for Duke over the years. The white Sequoia. There's a- <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and here's Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Pete Thamel and I, that's it. No, no Pat. Pat is in Waco. He was there for the Kansas-Baylor game yesterday, basketball. And uh, since he got to Waco, we have not heard from him. <laughs> it is possible he was sucked into a Central Texas hellmouth. <laughs> <laughs> he could, Dan, just be at one of those uh, Bucky's rest stops. You ever been to one of those in Central Texas? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, like the biggest rest stops of, like, all time. And I mean, we know how much Pat loves drink Diet Coke, so he could just be like getting his fountain soda refilled at Bucky's, you know, in perpetuity. He may, never, he, he may never leave. I mean, they got everything at Bucky's. They really do. do. They do. They got it all. Yeah, they do. Yeah. You can sit there and try on Stetsons all day long or you can <laughs> play some video game. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, Mike Bloomberg, the coach at Rice, takes his team to Bucky's on road trips when they're like on buses in Texas and gives them all like 20 bucks. Says, go nuts, guys. Believe it or not, 18 to 22 year olds love it. You ever showered at a truck stop, Pete? I've never showered at a truck stop. <laughs> never. <laughs> Have they you, Dan? No, but I did get changed once at a truck stop. I had to dry, I had to fly in. I didn't want to wear a suit. I was wearing a suit to a game. I can't. It was in Texas. It's near Austin. Huh. So I went into like a thing and changed. I do remember that. I slept at a truck stop, a truck stop motel kind of thing in Indiana once because it was snowing. Mm. And this was pretty much as far as I was getting. Yeah. And uh, it was not like just go two more miles. And so I I stayed in the uh, in the truck stop. It didn't have a remote control for the TV. It had a this little box with a cord that stretched to the TV. So you could like sit in your bed and change the channel with that like they didn't trust trust you with a remote is that was, one of those beds you sleep on the top as opposed to in the sheets i don't believe i cozied in too much but i yeah. uh, put it this way i did not slide off the road and die in indiana so yeah that's pretty much what i was looking for out of 89 bucks <laughs> yeah yeah the so, courtyard waco where pat likely stayed uh this weekend is 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 a, is a significant upgrade we can assume
a significant upgrade. Good, good little hotel, good little area downtown Waco. Yeah. Go over and see the uh, fixer upper crowd. The Gaineses, come on, the Gaineses. They, they show them at every game. Have. They're Baylor's only super fans. They really are the only famous people in Baylor <laughs> in Waco. The the rules and the gains were good friends, but they almost had to be. My problem with the Waco courtyard was one time I, I came back from a game and I wanted to buy a beer out of the uh, cooler, out of the fridge, and go up to my room. And it was like 11.05 or something. And it was only at 11. And they denied me the, out, the my my beer. And I was like, you can't be serious, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you handled it well, Dan. Uh- actually did i don't normally i mean you know the workers got a rule to follow but i was like there's only two of us here (laughs) nobody needs to know i'm going up to room 211 (laughs) i promise i won't tell yeah after you you said that after you complained why they didn't have any bush light and you had to have like shiner or something miller light yeah something like that i don't know uh anyway so pat i don't know what happened to pat he may or may not be alive he may have gotten the coronavirus he may have gotten the waco flu we he just we don't he's know prob- he's probably but, at a swim meet he probably found one so there found us he's had a baylor swimmer <laughs> yeah. local waco y swimming i don't know we don't really care he ain't here so screw him we don't need him anyway actually we do <laughs> because we're going to talk about baylor kansas and he actually was there <laughs> uh did you see the game this was number one baylor versus number three kansas I got to admit, I heard the game was coming. I assumed it would be at night. And then all of a sudden, it was on at noon, 11 a.m. Central. And it seems kind of apropos, if you will, of the college basketball season that the most anticipated game of the year goes off at noon. The big noon window, I guess. The, The college basketball scheduling mechanism, Dan, for decades has just been terrible. In recent years, they've gotten the opening a little, a lot better, actually, because they've done it with these champion classics and these, you know, marquee Michigan State, Duke, Kansas, whoever, Kentucky matchups that they've had probably the last five years. But college basketball, I remember one year, like 10 years ago, the opening game was Rhode Island Pitt. It's like, here's our big sport charging in with (laughs) Rhode Island and Pitt. Even I wouldn't watch that. I actually probably did. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) now it did end up being like the best game of the year, but they had they had game day at Carolina Duke a couple weeks ago. Historically bad Carolina at home. You know, apathy at an all-time high. Least talented team in Carolina history. It does seem like there has to be some better... I mean, if you want a true national audience for the game of the year, can you imagine, you know, LSU-Bama? CBS is like, yeah, you know what? We're going to tuck it in the tuck it in the noon slot so people aren't awake on the West Coast when it kicks off. And it isn't like Kansas and Baylor snuck up on anybody. We've known they're going to be two of the top five teams... Since mid-December at the very, very, very latest. Yeah, I mean, college football is doing some of those noon games, but yeah, I, like people were upset that LSU-Bama was going to be at 3.30 Eastern yeah. time, not prime time. Remember, that was this big thing, and it ends up being the big... You know, the problem is they just have these leagues, and they're always just... They have the league contracts, and if the league isn't working out, like the ACC isn't this year, then the whole sport gets knocked off kilter. So last night, the primetime game, I, I sat, we're doing a Sunday morning, but this Saturday night was uh, Duke and, and Virginia Tech. It was a blowout and like, who wants to watch that? But 
you know, this is what they have as a schedule. They probably have ACC's got to have that slot. This is the best we can get. And that does happen in these in college basketball. Like if one one league all of a sudden stinks this year and then like I think the big the big East is 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 deep and pretty good. But they're not getting the they're on FS1 mainly, you know, and they're not getting those slots. And so and yeah, they probably had this thing slated for noon and they, you know, whatever. This is what they're uh, this is what ESPN can can provide. I think ESPN was just trying to sell the boxing match all week, but I think that's all they seem to care about. But yeah, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't an ideal time. Uh, it was a I thought it was a good game. I watched some of it. I won't say I watched all of it because I didn't know it was even going to be on. I'll tell you how tiled in I am on college hoops. Kansas is good. There there aren't a lot of good teams. Kansas and Baylor are certainly two of them. Let me put it this way: Do you think this is a complete free for all? Of, a, of an NCAA tournament where you really couldn't even ink in one final final four team. And, you know, we may have there, there's 25 teams that could make the final four, if not win it. Or is this actually like Kansas and Baylor are a lot better than most of these other teams? Or I, I don't know what to make of this thing. No, it's interesting. There's there's two there's two schools of thought here. And this second the, the first school of thought I'll dive into because you bring it up is one that lost some steam on Saturday with Gonzaga losing to BYU and San Diego State losing at home to a very middling UNLV team. School of thought, I guess school of thought number one is it's crazy, it's wide open, it could be anybody. And look, it could be, certainly. And the other one is that Baylor, Kansas, Gonzaga, San Diego State, Dayton, Duke, and then maybe like a Florida State and, a, you know, one or two other teams are really the class of it all. And if you look at like Baylor has one league loss, Kansas has one league loss, Gonzaga now only has one league loss, and it like like these teams have just separated from the field and that a season that was defined by sort of the rotating number ones and no, you know, no great teams does have some great teams. Or it's it's the other way where I mean, I, I I it's it's you're in one of those two camps right now. The other one is just is just utter chaos. I mean, I look at like Arizona's number twenty four. They're not very good. They have very good players. If you're filling out a bracket, you're almost better off going non chaos because that way you at least have a chance. Like it's going to be hard for me to imagine not putting Kansas in my final four. That's very difficult for me to wrap my mind around at this point. Now, the tournament's always matchups. It always will be matchups. Kansas could end up with a matchup where I, you know, you know, they could maybe end up in Gonzaga's region if Gonzaga falls to a five and or something, something of that nature. Although I, don't, I still think Gonzaga will get a one. But for the most part, I, I think Kansas is is a cut above. Kansas has some NBA guys. Uh, Baylor to me is more interesting, Dan, because they they have. They don't have anyone who's like a clear-cut first-round pick. They don't have a like star in the traditional sense of all uh, of all stars. In in that and they're and they're very deep. Like they have uh, Mark Vidal coming off the bench, who's just this like banger, rebounder, glue guy, great player. J- Jared Butler's obviously their leading scorer. He's a you know he's a dynamic player, but he's he's smallish and he's not what we think of when we think of like a star in the Big Twelve. When you think of Kevin Durant versus Michael Beasley and in that era. And then you got Macy Oteagues, their second leading scorer. He transferred from UNC Asheville. So they're really like what a modern college basketball team is looking like and is really going to look like in the future. Freddie Gillespie transferred from a Division three school. To me, Baylor, just on pure talent, is going to be more susceptible than, than Kansas, which is just uh, – if you looked at uh, Azubuke last night, he just looked like – 
a man amongst boys in the game and in the sport. Or sh- I should say yesterday afternoon because they didn't play at night, as we talked about. You look at Garrett, who's one of the better defenders in the country. It, it, it's a classic Bill Self team. Uh, you know, he's an excellent coach. They've gotten better as the year has gone on. I, at this point, my only sure thing that I'm penciling in the Final Four is Kansas. And, and I'm going to... I'm going to wait and see a little bit. I want to see a little bit more out of San Diego State, who I haven't seen a ton yet, just because they're playing out in, uh, in in obscurity there. I saw Dayton against UMass. I'm going to see Dayton against URI in a, in a couple weeks. I like Dayton, but I didn't leave there like standing on the press table thinking, oh, that's a Final Four team. So, agree. Like, we have this possibility of, you know, Dayton, San Diego State, Gonzaga, and Creighton as your Final Four, right? Some kind of crazy bit that would shock. You could also end up with, Kansas, Maryland, Duke, and Kentucky. Yeah. They're all in the top 10, too. And it's it's not that surprising. Historically, the coaches would talk about kind of the thumbnail rule was you needed two and a half NBA players to win the national championship. If you didn't have two and a half guys, and the half obviously is not half a person, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the guy who makes a roster for half a season but ends up in Europe or that kind of guy, right? The, yeah. the real borderline guy. Yeah, or and the great even, college player who doesn't or you need but it's just like, one absolute monster. But even yeah. at the end, if you don't have the two and a half, you can't quite get there. And and you go back to like your biggest upset guys. A lot of times they ended up having them like Butler, right? Butler's probably the could have won it against yeah. Duke that game. They no had question. Gordon Hayward. They had Shelvin Mack, who played a good five, six seasons in the NBA. So they were close. Now, at the time, you never would have expected. Shelvin Mack may have played longer than that, seven maybe years. I don't know. But yeah. at the time, no one knew who any of these guys were. So you weren't sitting there going, hey, uh, Butler's got got two NBA guys on their roster. It was like they got nobody. And they had NBA coach. And they almost got it. But if you never had that, you didn't. You couldn't really make it. And so I wonder, I think that's changed a little bit as this, as it's gone on. Obviously, the super high-end talent isn't there. I think the first five, six picks of the NBA draft will not have played college basketball much this year, either due to injury, going to Australia, or you know what, what they did with James Wiseman and stuff like that. I think um, the more accurate thing, Dan, is none of them will play in the NCAA tournament because Anthony Edwards will be the top pick. I'm he's sorry, yeah, Anthony yeah, Edwards. They're not going to go. Although We're not going to be. Yeah, he had a big weekend. Jeez. Yeah, fair enough. Forgot, forgot about Edwards. But the other ones aren't even playing. Yeah. So I don't know. Does that paradigm change? You know, what What do we have? Is it? Is it? And, and I, I'm looking at this going forward as, you know, last year was really exciting. And they had uh, mainly because of the Duke team was so loaded, which ended up not making a Final Four because of Michigan State. But this year is obviously lacking that pop and sizzle i think as we said the tv contracts affect how we view it and if you watch the san diego state every night san diego state was ucla and they're on every night and you're trying to see if they can have an undefeated season everyone's excited about it because they're never on they're on the cbs sports network and everyone doubts them it's like eh, what who knows what san diego state's doing right so you just lose that that brand plays a big role but going forward as as when these kids start going pro again right out of high school, you know, how does the game change to where it's it's really about having a bunch of seniors and juniors or a team that meshes then, hey, we're just going to load up and, you know, I'm rolling in Zion Williamson and no one can stop him for, for, a, for a day or something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know where we're going with it. It's it, I think it's going to be a fascinating NCAA tournament because 
your top four seeds are going to be a complete mix of what I would call high mid majors and and absolute blue bloods. I'm gonna I'm gonna flash back to that Butler Duke game real quick. When you look at the box score right now, as I am, Butler actually had a better roster. They have Hayward, you know, who's NBA All Star, Max Deal kind of guy. They have Mac, who's a NBA role player for a long time. And then Matt Howard was that collegiate monster, just like good that guy, rebounder. Yep. Just Matt Howard was a big time, big time college player. Duke had Kyle Singler, who was a first round pick, who never really amounted to much. Nolan Smith, nice college player. John Shire, nice college player. Lance Thomas actually didn't do much at Duke, and he ended up banging around the NBA for a while. He may still be there. And then Brian Zubek was kind of just your, your your typical white Sequoia five man, you know, that we've seen for Duke over the years. The white Sequoia. There's a... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's the nice way to say not mobile, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or unathletic. I don't know. And then there was two Plumleys coming off the bench, uh, Miles and Miles and Mason, neither of whom really impacted the game in any way. Miles had three rebounds. So, it's so that's funny. that box score. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's when you look when you look back at that game, it's actually like, yeah, like it's like Duke upset Butler, you know, in a uh, in in a way. And I'm sure you were there, Dan. Like I thought that shot was going in. It looked, man. It was, oh man, it was like that thing hung in the air for like 15 minutes. Like oh, so you know we we cover games and we don't. You rarely, really, you root for nothing more than your own selfish interests of yes. like what story you're going to write. And I didn't go to Butler. I didn't go to Duke. I don't care. Really, no impact on my life other than that night on who won. So I'm not rooting for or against either of them, but. When you got a chance to see Butler yeah. and you're going to be able to write Butler wins the national title on a half court heave over Duke <laughs> the entire media section, other than the Duke homers were like, ah, oh. yeah. <laughs> like, it was so close. Like that would have gone down as one of like, it's, it's like, this is miracle on ice week. Yeah. Right. Yes. Imagine being covering the miracle on ice and being like, in oh, the Russian score two in the last 15 seconds. Oh, this would have been the greatest story I ever wrote. <laughs> we were in Indy too, Dan. Yeah, it was, it was not only Indy. it was in Indy. It was just, yeah, it was all there. I remember like going back in my chair, like, like you were just, uh, you were just there. The only time I have openly rooted in a press box and it was on accident. It was out of sheer visceral reaction was uh, I was sitting next to Pat at the Boise Oklahoma oh, right. game yeah. for the the Statue of Liberty winning play, the flea flicker to go to overtime. And when they when they ran the Statue of Liberty to for the winning play, I high five <laughs> Pat in the press box. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell the New York Times at the time. I think Pat was working at ESPN at the time. Uh, yeah, again, yeah, it was not, again. It was not like a it was not a, like a grand moment of professionalism, but it was awesome. Like we weren't necessarily rooting for Boise. It was just like, <laughs> oh my God, we just had the greatest play. Like we are human beings, well, you know. So otherwise, you're like, yeah, I covered this uh, Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. It was like 2010. I can't remember. I think Oklahoma was playing. Yeah, right. Instead, you just say the Boise State game, and everyone remembers the game. Yeah, yeah the yeah, You just game. want, you just want something to do, man. Yeah, and, and you want to be at these. Yeah, you travel around. We see enough bad games. You want to yes. be there for the. Uh, uh, the, the, the great one. Uh, yeah, so and so, yeah. let me ask, let me ask you this dance. Speaking of bad games, do you think it will be a good NCAA tournament? Like where, where does the line cross where the sports deterioration during the regular season impacts postseason interest? 
I, look, everybody's gambling on it. I understand the reasons. Ratings were really good last year. Other than Zion, it wasn't exactly this like robust interest in the sport. Are we to assume come you know the next couple of weeks in March the the switch flips and everybody's in? I think a lot of people are in. Yeah, I I, I think as long as the games are close, I also think for the casual fan that's going to tune in that makes the number, it, the the power of the seed is just amazing. You know, you go to a bar or a restaurant and there is, you know, someone's got a four next to their name and someone's got a 13 and, and, and 13 can win. And all of a sudden, everyone's a Northern Iowa fan, you know, and they, they didn't even know Iowa had a Northern. <laughs> and so if you get that little bit of mayhem and these kids become stars overnight and the backstories get told real quick and and uh, and that's it. Yeah, I think I think it'll be fine. I think it the What's the quality of play? It's never really that great. Yeah. If you want to watch higher quality play, watch the NBA. It's better. It's a better product. The players are better. The rules are better. The whole thing's better. If you want to watch this, I mean, no, there's just literally no reason other than just the, I don't know what, just the core ethos of college basketball to ever sit down and, and on one channel, you have college kids playing. And on the next channel, you have pros. And every one of the guys on one channel is better than the other. Like the same way, like if you're going to watch, you, you want to watch Alabama and LSU play football, or do you want to watch Hoover High School versus, you know, Baton Rouge Southern play, Southern Lab play football, right? College has that that sense. And I, I don't think the tournament loses that by just because it would, is it great if you have some guys that you can sit there and say, hey, I want to watch this guy's going to be in the NBA. Yes, I think college sports needs to do more to help that out as college basketball does to keep their stars and, and improve the talent, particularly going forward, but you can't create Zion Williamson every year, you know, but I do think they need to do more to make it open to great players. I, I point to this, I've written this column many, many times, but college hockey, the NCAA's own hockey league. So this isn't like some, no, they, we should do it. You know, you get these people like, you should do it like Australian rules football. This is, you know, like college hockey, you can get drafted by the NHL and then play college hockey for four years. So the best players in college hockey are all already drafted by NHL teams. And you get, there's not a, there's like a hundred guys. You add a lot of talent and, and exciting players who get drafted. Everyone is eligible to be drafted at 18 and the NCAA does not rule anyone ineligible because they are drafted. So if the kid gets drafted by the Montreal Canadians and he says, yeah, I want to go play at Minnesota Duluth anyway, because I, I'm not ready for the NHL and rather go play the Canadians and Minnesota Duluth work together and the kid plays and he can play a couple years and he score a lot of goals is great. In college basketball, we banish players just for saying, I want to go into the draft. And then how many kids every year aren't drafted? It's like 50, 60 kids a year. There's another 20 that are not drafted where they want to be. And you, we don't allow the option of those kids to say, yeah, I got picked in the second round. I'm not really happy about that. I'm going to go back to Kansas. And instead, whatever it is about college basketball, it's like, that's it, you're out. Why would you even dare think of going pro? Where in college hockey, the same, I mean, this is the same college. <laughs> I mean, it isn't, it's nothing new. Like, 
the hockey player at Michigan and the basketball player in Michigan have to obey different rules. Why? Like, why would you want to kick kids out that are your best players? College basketball, I think, needs to change that and simply go to the college hockey model, and you'll add 30 really good players a year into your system. If not, and then as you stack them up, you might have 100 better good players, and I think that helps the quality of play. Instead, college basketball just wants to kick its best players out as fast as possible. I think it's a really good point, Dan, and I think they... People are like, oh, it's the one and done. It's the one and done. It's actually not the one and done. It's just like decent players who are like third year guys who may be second round picks and may not that are leaving. And that's why you don't have familiar players. You don't have stars. You don't have prospects because college basketball has lost its cachet amongst kids. Kids don't want to go play college basketball. It is not cool. It is not whatever whatever word would be would be used in the current modern vernacular. It's. 86 underclassmen declared for the NBA draft last year uh, and stayed in, not just declared, a couple hundred declared. 86 entered the NBA draft last year. There's 60 spots. 86 and 60 doesn't work. And that doesn't include the foreign dudes. But how many so, of those 86 would come back? First off, at least 50 of them weren't, or 60 weren't even drafted. Correct. Yes. And then correct. another 10 or 15 might say, I was drafted, but I'd rather come back to college and bulk up instead of playing in the G League. Yeah. And and I and and the San Antonio Spurs retain my rights and that's fine cuz the, the NBA teams they draft Europeans and leave them in Europe all the time. But they can't draft Americans and leave them in college or college. Yeah. They don't have to be an American to play college basketball. But you get the point. And then how and and you can sit there and say well none none of the top uh Kale McCarr who's a like one of the best defensive young defensemen in in the NHL for Colorado. He was drafted fourth overall three years ago by the Colorado Avalanche. He played two years at UMass. He was the fourth pick overall, and he was the Hobie Baker Award winner and all that. Like, you get Charlie McAvoy, the Bruins. There's tons of them. I mean, every year. So you can get top 10 picks in hockey that will stay and go to college. I don't know that how many top 10 picks in basketball will, but you don't know. Why, why, why care? Why not make it as easy as possible for college players who are good to play? Instead, it's like, that kid's going to make a bad decision. That's a bad decision. Ha, ha, ha. Look, you, you're you an idiot. You shouldn't have gone pro. Okay, great. That's that's nice. Kid made a mistake. He shouldn't have gone pro. I mean, why why not let him back? So I knew the podcast would turn into UMass propaganda eventually. There you go. So yeah, here yeah we the are. hockey team. Here, here we are. Yes, UMass. I say so many propaganda. nice things about it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's where Dan, Dan's secretly donating. Let his, me see uh, who's leading his his money to. I'm going to look uh, up the Hobie Baker Award favorites right now. Two years. So in two years, 85 kids left college basketball and went undrafted. Right, 85. So that's like, if you say, you know, an all-conference team, it's basically an all-conference team for each major conference, had a full-on all-conference team gone um, over over two years. So, I mean, it's just an incredible, incredible talent drain. So I just think we've gone beyond, like, they, they made a bad decision. Once the season ends... We've stopped paying attention to who declares for the draft because it's not novel anymore. It's like 300 kids, and they should all declare for the draft because they get to go get a read. They get to see what their interest is. They get to their game independently evaluated. I think it's all positive. The, the problem is just the, the, the cycle has, has worn out the sport, and 
and, and the cycle of kids going has just robbed any sense of familiarity and intimacy from college basketball. You don't know who is on your team. And now because of realignment uh, the last 10 years, you don't know who your team's playing anymore either because it's, you know, Creighton's playing Providence or, or, or whatever, whatever far flung Wisconsin Rutgers was on on Sunday, like whatever far flung example you want to use. And just the, the, those confluence of things have just made the sport more more difficult to follow year in and year out. People want to root for stars, familiar players, guys you see grow. And that notion is just gone. We held this rule of you have to declare like you're either in or you're out with us. And it's like the old college basketball coach who who had that kind of power of like, you know, if you're like, no, none of my players even consider going pro early. It's like this remnant yeah. of the Bob Knight era. Yeah. Right. My guys are four year guys. It's the name on the front. Let's be realistic. Every kid there wants to go to the pros. It's all right. It's not a it's not a shame to want to go to the NBA. Let all the kids be automatically eligible. You don't have to declare. Tell the NBA that. Make everybody, everybody's eligible to be drafted in hockey. Okay. I just, I pulled up some, I haven't watched a lot of college hockey this year. Cole Caulfield, Hobie Baker Award finalist, Wisconsin, taken 15th overall by the Montreal Canadiens in last year's NHL draft. A 15th pick. That's like almost, a, is that a lottery pick? It's close to a lottery pick. He went to play at Wisconsin. He's obviously having a good year. So good. There was this idea, and it's like, I'm the coach. I can't, I can't have uh, the uncertainty of whether a kid's going to go pro or not. I'm his only coach. Like, really, is an NBA player, is a college basketball player somehow negatively impacted because they also have Doc Rivers as their, possibly their coach one day, <laughs> or Brad Stevens, or, right? I mean, like, or Steve Kerr. Like, is this, I mean, I would let them play summer league ball. I would do, I would, I would do all sorts of things, but the simplest thing they can do to in, to increase talent is act exactly the same way they act with hockey. So then you go, why is basketball different than hockey? Well, I, I do think it's the old coaching philosophy. I mean, what else? All the hockey kids are white kids from the suburbs. I don't know. Is that one of them? Like for some reason, college basketball loves punishing people for making dumb decisions instead of saying, hey, Cole, Cole Caulfield, you're welcome to come play here. You seem like a nice kid. Like, you know, instead it's like, get the hell out of here, you dummy. You, you, you dared to think that you could, you were better than you were. To me, that's the simplest fix and it could be done overnight. I've been writing it and screaming about it for years. And literally, I all I get from college administrators is like, that's a good point. But can you believe how terrible these Kentucky guys are? You know, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, I can't help you. Well, one of college basketball's problems has always been like it's this billion dollar revenue engine, the only really revenue engine of significance for the NCAA. There's just never been any vision. There's never been any foresight. I, I don't know where you sit, Dan, if you think the sport needs a commissioner or something. But like it's kind of other than one month, it's kind of falling apart. You at least need like the NABC ain't getting it done. They're doing a they're doing a search right now for uh, for a new leader. And Jim Haney was making a million dollars a year to basically like professionally nap as the game went to hell. And so I'll be curious, like if, you know, if they can go pay Dan Gavitt, if they can bring someone in, because like there needs to be change. There needs to be leadership. There needs to be vision. Like people are just sort of napping and collecting checks and it's just not going to work anymore. Number four pick in the draft is playing for Wisconsin, too. Let me see number six. No, he he went uh, number six is playing for Boston University. This is last year's draft. Number seven went pro. 
Eights at Wisconsin. I mean, so Wisconsin got like World Wide West of like uh, <laughs> Saskatoon or something to send the guys there. I don't know. They should be better than they are. I mean, like, I again, like, what's good? Let them, let them, let them play. Let the we kids know that play. Wisconsin coach just rolls out the puck. He doesn't have any schemes. Must be. <laughs> they always, but it's really about coaches like, well, they want to go on vacation in the spring. It, 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 I do think they need a commissioner because you need someone to articulate simple. I, I, I would love to hear, and you can hit us up on Twitter, or you can, if you know me, your administrators, call and tell me how this idea is bad. Because I've never heard a single con- idea on how this is wrong. And if it is, why are you letting the hockey players do it? If football's even worse, once you declare, you can't even go through the, the combine and say, you know what, this isn't for me, or I sprained my ankle uh, during uh, you know working out for the draft. Again, it's like, get out of here. Why? They're college kids. Let them come back. Uh, it, there's talent sitting there, and and for some reason, in the two biggest sports, they want them out. I, maybe it's because the, you know, I didn't mention other reasons, but maybe it's the football and basketball coaches have this inordinate amount of power, and uh, you know, I'm sure somewhere they know the names of the hockey coaches, but not not, not quite the same. So it's uh it's just such an unusual situation but i i'm dying to dying to hear it. It, it 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 doesn't make sense to me if why you'd want to push your best guys out I, I i remember when lebron lebron was coming up and there was an nca uh investigator that had already i remember him telling me lebron was like a senior in high school and he was obviously never going pro but he the guy said to me like I've got a I've got a file on LeBron James knee high. He's never playing college basketball, and he's kind of excited about it. And I was like, "What? <laughs> Why the hell wouldn't you want LeBron James in your your business? Like, like this is crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Everyone else is like begging to get LeBron James to do anything for them. Yeah, we don't want that guy. His mom, you know, he's poor, and his mom took a car. All right, okay." <laughs> So speaking of misguided rules, what do you think of the uh, potential imminent elimination of the transfer rule, Dan? We're having to sit out a year. Uh, You're talking about like the powerful coaches. There's already quotes about how it's going to ruin the game and basketball and uh, and, and all and all this stuff. So I guess it's a one time transfer exemption for having to sit out a year for for all is the rule we're we're talking about right now. What do you think of the elimination of that rule, which is trending towards imminent? I'm okay with it. I have a couple a couple different thoughts. I mean, one thing about the transfer is you only have to sit out one year. And I don't honestly think that's a massive punishment. If you want to train the old way they did it, if you want to transfer, it's not working out of this school. You go get readjusted. You get an extra year of scholarship, get an extra year of school. I mean, like I, I never saw this as like this horrible punishment that you actually just had to attend school and practice for a year. But once they started doing the waivers, as as it always is with the NCA, like, what were you going to do? Then they're playing like moral judgment on these guys. And then there are all these loopholes. And, 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 and I mean, you could you could pretty much any family can find some sick relative that they need. Or, you know, I mean, like ever some old Aunt Bessie's, you know, not feeling well. He's really close with her. We got to get home. You know, uh, you know, I think you're better off not having it be you know, judgment, no judgment on it. Just have it be arbitrary. You can't or you can. And so the one year transfer, that's fine. I mean, I, I, these, these, you know, we talk about how like the reason the NCA is in such trouble with the government basically about to write their rules is because they've done nothing to instill credibility. They've done nothing proactive. Like 
it's so hypocritical that like, how do you even listen to these coaches? Like, oh, you can't, you, how can you be quitting? You, everybody quits. What's, what was the line? Uh, there's no, there's no uh, transfer portal in real life. Yeah, there is. Everybody switches jobs. Oh, you get one job in your life, right? <laughs> That's it. Can't leave, right? You ever heard of divorce? You know, ever heard? Of, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a total transfer portal. Some people transfer portal six times. Some people stick it out. Like I, you know, whatever. It's just, and then those guys switch. They switch jobs. So it's like, okay. I mean, you have no credibility on it. I look things maybe more as a parent now, but like if something's not going right, why wouldn't you? leave the school regular students transfer schools all the time you know this isn't what i thought it was be i've changed i you know whatever uh so i don't really care that they're moving around i think will there be all this poaching from low majors and mid majors yeah maybe but i do also think a lot of the kids at a low major that like got under recruited probably would have been willing to sit out a year and it's also kind of inherent on the college basketball coaches to to act in some kind of ethical manner, which they're not very good at. <laughs> Just they're all like, "There's going to be tampering." Well, who's doing the tampering? You. The the lower leagues are minor leagues for the higher leagues right now. Like I've had the, you know America East coaches and any ten coaches tell me they pitch that in recruiting. Come here two years, get bigger, stronger, average double digits, and we can get you an ACC scholarship. So that exists now. In fact. I think the one-time transfer rule where you're eligible right away hurts those kids because those are kids that need to go sit out a year. They were they were a tick slow and in short kind of to begin with, and then they can you know they'd be 22, 23 when they're uh, when when they're seniors. So I have no problem with the rule change coming up from any kind of like moral standpoint or anything. I don't know if it actually hel- it helps kids, which is good. And it gives them options and gives them freedoms, the same ones the coaches have. And I think part of the reason we're getting here is it's just become so hypocritical because the coaches make so much money and have freedom of movement, to use an officiating term, whereas uh, whereas the players have been uh, have been locked in. And you're 100% right, Dan. It's been the arbitrary Aunt Bessie's dying process that the NSA litigated itself into. If they had just held firm and said, you transfer, you sit out, you can't play. But then they let one kid with a sick mom, and then it just sort of all it all transpired in a, in a very uh, in a very predictable way in a lot of ways, right? From the standpoint of players, I'm happy that they have the option. I'm happy they have that. I don't think it is great for the sport as a whole. I, I just don't think more movement, less familiarity. It's just uh, just more cycle of change. The sport needs more familiarity. The sport needs. The sport needs Kansas playing Missouri and Syracuse playing Georgetown, um, which they're doing again. But it, it, that's what it needs. It needs the things that made it great, which is, you know, the opponents, you know, the players on your own team. There needs to be consistency. And that is gone. And this rule change will mean more unfamiliarity. You take a Ja Morant, goes to Murray State, and he develops into the number two pick in the draft. And he's probably going to be the rookie of the year. Now, part of that is because Zion was... Uh, out half the year, but whatever. I mean, he's a superstar. Was would he have been better served transferring to Kentucky or Tennessee or Memphis or something like that? I don't know. He'll and forever be the legend at Murray State in that community. We talk about this with name, image, and likeness. The idea that all the money's at the big school. I don't know about that. Like that guy can sign, he can sign autographs forever. If you go to Duke or Carolina, you're another guy in the train. How many lottery picks we had early in his pockets we forgot who was on the national championship team that beat butler like you forget all the names because they just have so many names you'll never forget Ja morant 
in Murray State. So will they automatically go? I don't know. I, I, I'm pro. I'm pro player, pro family, and I just think the NCAA created this by allowing it and then and going. So I don't know. I don't know what exactly that will do, but to me, there's their their number one thing they ought to do is is let the kids let the kids play when after they've been drafted, and they, they might be surprised to see. You know, Zion always says he was going to go to college no matter what. Who knows if that's true at the end of the day, but that's a heck of a, a talent. But they're not going to have the one and done in three years. It's unlikely. All right, I, I want to transition to what I think is the greatest athletic feat on a uh, college campus over the weekend. And no, not uh, Pete returning to Syracuse and chugging beers with his friends. <laughs> Although you probably gave it a good run run for its money, didn't you? You know, we uh, we tried to revive 1999. I don't really think it worked. <laughs> if you just notice the huge yawn during the last segment, it would probably give you a little window into how it worked. Low energy. Wow. You know, it's, we're yeah. not good when we're leaving it to me to be the sober one on Sunday mornings <laughs> during this podcast. And we don't uh, have I did not... Pat's random outrage towards topics that no one's really outraged about. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, this occurred during the Ole Miss Alabama basketball game Saturday night in Oxford. They got one of these deals where you can putt on the basketball court. And if you hit the putt, you can win a car. In this case, a uh, probably a lease of a couple of years of a t- 2020 Nissan Altima. I assume everyone's played some level of golf at some time, but putting on hardwood is <laughs> it's hard to putt. Anyway, let alone a 94 foot putt from one baseline to another, but to do it on hardwood is is essentially impossible. Uh, you probably could have trotted out the entire PGA Tour, and I'm guessing maybe like none of them hit it. I don't know. Well, Mary Ann Wakefield sure knew what she was doing, and she is 84 years old. Did you see this video, Pete? Happy learned how to putt. Uh-oh. Oh, I did. Oh, I did. She's 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 the hero of the weekend. You know, she needs a, a golden cheese grater sent to her home in Oxford because she stroked it pure. Like she had no doubt. Absolute money shot. She has decent grip. She clearly is a golfer. She's got her feet. Yep. Good, good feet. And she yeah, struck it pure. And I mean, she drills this thing. Go check it out online right through. Cannon Motors of Mississippi, she wins. She gets a hug from Tony the Shark, the old Miss Shark, which is terrible. Stupid shark. <laughs> the only thing worse was your golf analysis. She has good feet. <laughs> Who are you? She does. She, she set up. <laughs> she, she's got a good setup. <laughs> yeah. She clearly is a golfer. Yeah. yeah. Dan's not making that Masters broadcast team. That's what we learned today. <laughs> no, no. I'm not a good I'm not a good golfer, but I, I can tell you she does know how to golf. She won it. So. Uh, that's about, I mean, that's got to be the most two, one, at least the top three most exciting things to happen in SEC basketball all year. That or the, the Auburn assistant having his daughter on the bachelor. Yeah. You heard about this one? Yeah. She's oh, a yeah. I've read about it. Definitely a top five SEC subplot of the, uh, of the year. Yeah. Coach Pearl was on, uh, on the show on the bachelor last week. Big, like this is better than those Dr. Pepper, those crappy Dr. Pepper football ones where they don't even throw the football anymore. They just like shovel it. Oh, yeah. Chess passes. No bueno. I mean, I'm glad someone gets the money, but all right. Good segment. I miss the Dr. Pepper <laughs> football throw like the good old days when they they chucked it like Uncle Rico. She had to actually swing the putter properly to win. <laughs> um, all right. We got one more. Uh, many, many listeners sent us this. Uh, understandably, yeah. we feel that. 
symbiosis with our with our listeners. We we feel that kumbaya, like they they know our souls. They they can see right into them, and they have uh, obnoxiously big service animals are very prominent in our souls. Service animals on anything that happens at a chicken restaurant, yes. I tend to get yes, immediately yes, beer, anything. Beer crimes. We get some beer crimes too. Yeah. Well, anyway, here's from the New York Post. A Michigan woman startled other passengers on a recent series of flights when she brought aboard a mini service horse and traveled with him in first class to California. Veronica Froze, I don't know how to say her name, don't care, made the jury starting on February 7th uh, with her equine companion, Fred. I paid an arm and a leg for tickets, but I did it. Did so because it was Fred's first time, and I wanted him to be comfortable. I wanted him to have the most room. I don't. De- I, there describe the size of Fred to the listeners. Those Fred is uh, so in an airline seat. He stands, and his his head can rest on the seat. Essentially, he's uh, his head's about seat level. Uh, they kind of got him. I mean, he's got a service horse. Don't pet. He's white. He's got this big white hair. And uh, I, I have questions. I, I kind of appreciate that that she's not making anyone else sit in the little row. Yeah. Bought Fred its own seat. Yeah. Or he, his own seat. First class. Yeah. It seems like someone with money to burn. I would take that as an extravagance. But imagine sitting next to Fred in the middle seat in the back I, of the I bus. Would be, yeah. I mean, this is the problem. I don't still don't want a horse on the plane. If you have enough money to fly Fred to first class, like can't, I don't know. I just where was the flight, Dan? I forget. They flew Grand Rapids, connected in Dallas, and then went to Ontario, California. Like at least by direct. We can't fly anywhere direct from Grand Rapids. Well, then drive your ass to Chicago. Everyone was, was sweet as pie. TSA was amazing. The experience was way better than I actually anticipated. That's the problem. It shouldn't be. <laughs> Pat was starting to like kill off animals when you missed the show last week, Dan. It was I, like, I, I was, heard. I was just like, Peter's Peter's not going to sponsor us. Like we, you know, we're having should we're having Fred be okay? We'll do people's court. Should Fred die? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somewhere in a Bucky's <laughs> in Central Texas. Pat's slugging a diet coke, pounding on the like ice machine. Die, Fred, die. <laughs> you get down to Texas, man. You get very pro death penalty. Yeah. Uh yeah, I went and saw Just Mercy. I've read that book. So now I'm 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 conflicted about the death penalty. But uh yeah, I don't know. I I I would be outraged if Fred do not uh, it's ridiculous. But I don't I mean I at least respect that she 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 went first class. She must have dumped a couple grand on this thing. Is she that scared to fly? On my flight home this morning, there was a uh, there was there was a service puppy, and I was like, I was like, do I stop and like try to get like some stuff for a bit for the podcast? But I was tired. So you're hungover from your college reunion weekend, and you did not get audio. Could have interviewed. Oh yeah, the, what, the yeah woman. what do you want me to like interview the person in yes. the airport? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm clearly not dedicated to the podcast. That's uh, yes. I think I think this podcast has heard enough. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Fred service animal of podcasts. Somebody do something. We need when one of you college football coaches get arrested, get found in a brothel, uh, do some cocaine in the office, knock up a cheerleader. I don't care. Do something. Yeah. We need something. Carl Durrell. It puts us all to sleep. <laughs> do not. Yeah. I'm not even going to talk about that. Don't 
Yeah. Where is Mike Price? I don't want to talk about the intricacies of the NHL and college hockey draft process. Well, that would sure fool our listeners who had to listen to you talk about it for 15 minutes. Wow, well, it's a damn name, good name, idea. Name checking like random Wisconsin players. <laughs> Free Cole Caulfield. <laughs> listen, man, go badges. All right. We'll uh, talk to you next week. We'll try to do better. Yeah. You know, sometimes this podcast is really good. And, you know, you got to have like, I always say you got to have like, worst 10% of your work each year. And so maybe this was it. So, all right. Hopefully Pat will be back. Pat, we miss your anger. And we know, we know you can't listen to this anyway, because you don't know how to work your iPhone. I wouldn't ask anyone to subscribe after this. And please don't leave us a review after this edition. (laughs) Talk to you later.